Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. But a couple of days ago, I saw a wonderful, sort of positive, optimistic old friend of mine. And she said, the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. And I just feel like everything's going to be okay. And I said, I said, are you mad? <laughs> Why would you say that? That is a massive fate tempter. I don't, I don't dare say this stuff out loud. I don't even dare think it. You know, it's a bit like saying, oh, it looks like the plane's going to be on time. Oh, my God. Don't, don't say that. And, and apart from the fact that I'm aware that this attitude does not make me a conductor of abundance <laughs> through which the universe can deliver amazing things, it also makes me depressing company. So to cut a short story long, I've realised that I am depressing company. You are 100% not depressing company. I'm telling you. No, Emily, even though... you're just weird. <laughs> Well, anyway, I tell you what, though, I'm absolutely fine, but I am now constantly amazed and astonished by how much we are able to do and how much we have to do and how much we sort of put up with whilst also feeling absolutely shit. It is just it's it's amazing. All I want is to be able to go to the school nurse and be given a paracetamol and told everything is okay. And this is just never happening ever again. Or just someone to say you should just go to bed for a couple of days. Exactly. Imagine. Imagine. Or just something. It's just this low level, just feeling completely crap and still having to just to put out maximum output. And feels like a punishment, doesn't it? Yeah, it slightly does. Anyway, we should probably apologise in advance because this podcast is going to make everyone, make you, listener, a bit angry. And maybe that's a good thing. Last week was Equal Pay Day, which marks my favourite day of the year. It marks the day where women effectively, on average, stop earning relative to men because of the gender pay gap. So yes, from now on until the rest of the year, we are all mostly working for free on top of every other thing that we are doing. So we have asked Jill Whitty Collins, a former senior vice president at Procter & Gamble and now coach and author of Why Men Win at Work, to come and coach the hell out of us. Because Jill is dedicated to making gender inequality history. Just a small task then. So Jill, how are you? I am absolutely fine, thank you. But I must say this menopause thing is really getting on my nerves. That's probably (laughs) the biggest thing on my mind at the moment. I am very irritated by this because I feel like, I mean, it's just really very unfair, isn't it? It's you You hit 50 and nature says, well... 
you can't have babies anymore, so we'll just rob you of all of your hormones and all the things that were really, really useful before and make you feel absolutely rubbish. <laughs> and you'll have to take tablets and medication to feel normal again. Even though you're not ill, you're just a little bit um, older. And you, know, you have to think sometimes, don't you? Obviously, I'm a massive believer in equality, massive believer in equality, but nature does seem to be a little against us sometimes on these things and I wonder how much nature believes in equality sometimes so, but other than that I'm absolutely fine well isn't it not just nature is it Jill basically everything is against us I've read your book now and I know this to be true <laughs> well lots of things obviously there are many 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 wonderful things about uh, about being a woman but yeah that there are many things against us and I don't think we should be just angry though because I do think most of what against, what is against us isn't actually intended. You know, we talk a lot about the evil in the world and the bad men in the world, and obviously there are a few bad men, and, and that's very, very depressing. But largely, I think men are good and decent. I don't think most of them wake up in the morning and jump out of bed and think, how will I build the patriarchy today and destroy as many women as possible? I think most men are good and decent. They're not intending to do this stuff, but unfortunately, even good, decent, well-intended men are contributing to all of these forces that are working against us. And there are many, many of them, unfortunately. There really, really are. It, it is a battle and we have to understand them and we have to fight them. Uh, we can, but sometimes it's tiring. Yes, they're, they're just working within a system that's been handed down to them, aren't they? Just accepting it as the, what makes the world go round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does, the system does work for them. You've got, you know, culture is self-fulfilling, isn't it? If you have a male-dominant culture, and particularly if you have a male-dominant culture at the top of organisations, it will just eternally fulfil itself without even realising that it's doing it. You know, I love the whole, you know, metaphor of the goldfish in the bowl. If you, if you ask the goldfish in the bowl, how's the water? It will say, what water? People don't, you don't see a culture if you're part of it and if you're comfortable in it. But my goodness, you see it, don't you? If you're not part of it and you're not comfortable, it, it smacks you right in the face as soon as you enter it. So Jill, why did you decide to write the book? Look at the top level. It doesn't matter how balanced it starts out at the bottom. Look at that top level. It's over 90% men. Yes, because we read in your book that in the Fortune 500 companies, they call it an all-time record that there is now 7% who have female CEOs. And that's an all-time record. Yes, that, see, that really irritated me. I, I remember when <laughs> I saw that. I mean, that's so misleading, isn't it? The headline was all-time record. And if you don't penetrate it, you don't see that that all-time record is 7%. I mean, it's absolutely pathetic. Which means 93% men. I mean, it's like... 93% men, yeah. And that's and anyone looking at that all-time record thinks, oh, gender equality, job done, women everywhere. And you think, well, well really, no. I mean, you know, 93% men, that's, that's really not job done. And it's the same everywhere. I mean, you seriously look anywhere, look in sport, look in politics you'll see 90% plus men. Um, you know, 9% of heads of state are, are women, only 9%. And they're very visible, the ones that are heads of state, probably because they're very, very good, right? Because they have to, have to be really, really good to have made it to that kind of position with all of these forces against them. So yeah, so I got more and more livid, and I still get livid every day when I see the data. And I made myself a promise that when I left 
that job, the first thing I was going to do was write a book about it all and, you know, bring it all together because I felt that I, I was seeing it in a way that um, I'm sure absolutely other women have seen it, but it hadn't necessarily been written about. You tend to get a lot of very academic books about gender inequality, or you'll get books written by incredibly successful women who'll tell you how to be as marvellous as them and here are all those tips. But Yes, lean in, guys, lean in. <laughs> yes. And also, you know, we're, t- and we're really talking about white women, aren't we? I mean, for black women, it's many, many oh, times absolutely. worse. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, white women are, it's an easy ride for white women in comparison. So obviously I focus on that because that's what I understand. That's what I know. But yeah, of course, I mean, being a, you know, a white woman in my position is very, very far from the most uh, difficult place to be. And, you know, I, I, di- I did very well and I got to a very, very senior point. I just thought it was fascinating that you can, you can get that far and never really have it work against you. But then if you really, really get to that top, the air smells very, very different up there um i love the uh, one of the quotes that you that you put in the book by a writer called john and i can't pronounce his name um and he said in the role-playing game known as the real world straight white male is the lowest difficulty setting there is and it's very interesting it's it's a brilliant quote isn't it's it? just so of course it is it's just absolutely it's like oh well let's just keep this easy we'll just stick with just straight white men and we'll be fine but of course the book makes incredibly good points about how sort of lacking in any commercial opportunity that is. Because if you only have a culture of straight white men, then you're only selling to straight white men. Then you're only identifying a straight man. And that is not the makeup of the world. And so therefore you are missing out on a kind of, on all of the nuance, all of the, the diversity that would increase your sort of commercial proposition. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems incredibly naive that they don't try and drive that change absolutely i mean i think a lot of people actually they don't really internalize the business case for this right a lot of people if they engage with this they'll engage with it almost like it's charity almost like it's the right thing to do or the the favorite classic i've got a daughter so i believe in equality which is is also very irritating i think that the straight white male being the easiest i think it's an absolutely brilliant quote But what's really interesting about it is obviously that they don't realise that. The tide kind of rolling with you. And it's that whole culture point of if you find yourself in a culture where everybody's like you and you look around and you think, hey, I belong here, you feel very comfortable, you feel very relaxed. And if you feel comfortable, relaxed, you feel confident and you'll perform. So it makes it much, much easier if you just focus on performing, just be yourself. And meanwhile, obviously, if you find yourself in that culture and, it, and you know, it's a dominant culture and you're not part of it, you feel exactly the opposite. You feel, I don't belong here, I'm not relaxed, I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident. And it does actually affect your performance. And it also, by the way, distracts you and makes you feel like, you know, I need to focus on fitting in rather than just being myself. And so you don't bring your strengths. You don't bring the brilliance of what you are because you're so busy trying to be something else. And then you're inauthentic, which people smell on you and, and, and they hate. So I think that's the thing about this self-fulfilling prophecy of, 
of that straight white male culture because it doesn't realise it's doing it and it doesn't realise that all these forces are happening. And they get to, they don't think, oh, I'm going to hire him or I'm going to promote him or I'm going to give him the big job because he's a straight white man like me. They just think he's better, right? They think, I'm going to give it to him because he's the best performer. And what they don't realise is he's not necessarily the best performer. It's, it's highly possible that he's just much, much more comfortable and, re and relaxed in the culture. And that if... And she... also probably all the other things in the system that contribute to the fact that he doesn't rush off at five to pick up a child or do any of the, 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 the extracurricular jobs that women generally still carry the load of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know... I think we know now more than ever, don't we, just how much of that load women are carrying. And I always apologise. I always apologise to men up front before I say this because I know there are some amazing men out there who are doing their share at home. But I say to them, you are the exception, mate, I'm afraid, because the data is over 80% of it's being done by women. And it doesn't add up, does it? Because if a woman's trying to do, you know, her job, she's trying to have a career, she only got 24 hours in the day. I always say that's the one thing we got equality on. We got 24 hours a day each. And... You know, she's if she's also having to, you know, sort out the shopping and the cooking and the kids and all of that stuff, if if the family have them, there just aren't as many. And if she wants any sleep at all, which, you know, ideally one would have, it doesn't it doesn't add up. And, you know, I'm always saying to women, you need to do, you know, you also need you've got to do that networking. You've got to drive your visibility. It's not just enough to do the work. You've got to make that visible. And they're saying, Jill, I get it. But how the hell is it all supposed to fit? in the day and meanwhile in general yeah men do have more flexibility for those those coffee breaks those hey should we just pop for a drink at the bar on the way home they just have less of a time issue in general and that does count because you know ultimately when people give jobs out it's a human decision right it's not a spreadsheet decision unfortunately people don't mark out a spreadsheet and say yes I think Samantha's done more than Tom this year. Ultimately, there is a human element. I think it's very natural. I think we need to just accept that. And so the person who's had that time to be making themselves visible and making themselves known, uh, that's also going to count for an enormous amount. So yeah, lots, lots stacked against women, but things we can do about them. I mean, first, I mean, there's so much. Oh my goodness, there's so much to say, isn't there? I've got so much to say to women about what we can do. Also to men, massive to-do list for men. But, you know, if we start with women, I think that whole culture point is a really massive one. And, you know, ultimately, I think one thing many women don't do enough of is walk away, is say, hey, you know what, if this culture doesn't work for me, and if, I, if I'm bringing myself and I'm bringing my strengths um, and they're not valued here, and they're not seen, I can just walk away. I don't think enough men and women do that, and I think generally men are much, much more prepared to do that. And I always say to women, you know what? Don't waste too much time trying to change a culture. I've tried. You won't. Don't waste your time on that. Don't waste your energy on that. Ultimately, take your talent and your brilliance somewhere else. We are such suckers like that. We're just sitting there going, if I do this, if I change myself, if I keep going, maybe it'll work. You know, relationships and friendships and work, you know, work thing. 
I mean, you, you say that, but Emily, having never said boo to a goose for her entire life, did exactly that one day, 10 yeah, years ago, absolutely. Or less. Yeah, no, I ago. asked for more money, which is obviously a, a subject. And as you said in your book, when men ask for more money, they're perceived as ambitious and it's muscular and it's great. When women ask for more money, it's not such a yeah, good thing. Well, it's the cruel bit, isn't it? You, there is all these things that you say to women, you know, men are doing this, men are doing that, men are doing that. But if women do them, then they're absolutely detested for it. So, Emily, you asked for more money. Good for you. Yes, but thank no you. No one asked... does that. Well, they said no. <laughs> yeah, long story short, they said no. And I, do you know what? I left. <laughs> and I well, think... She said, well, actually, can I just rewind? She left and they said, no, 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 come back. We'll give you the yeah. money. And she said no. Good. But I still said no because... I think that, you know, I realised that I would, if they didn't give me the money in the first place, they didn't see my value in the first place. They didn't know, understand why I was asking and what I wanted to achieve. And therefore, what was the point? You know, like, like a bad relationship or whatever, you know, you have to walk away at some point when you know you're not valued and, and appreciated. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's a terrible bind. I know I can see for lots of women who have so many responsibilities on top of, you know, and, 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 and a probably you know, quite well remunerated anyway. So it's a sort of, it's a sort of complicated thing, isn't it? It's like, how much do I deserve? There's a lot of women in your book going, but I just don't need mm-hmm. any more money. And it's like, it's not about that. It's not about it's that, not about that is it? But no, I mean, it's really, really good for, for you for walking away. And I know that Thank you. some women don't feel that they can for whatever reason at a stage in life. And I respect that. But in general, I don't think that we do it enough. And I think men generally absolutely do do that more. And I, th- I think it comes ultimately from, you know, you said it, that confidence in yourself that I'll be okay. You know, I don't, I don't have to stay here in a place where it's not right for me and I'm not valued and my strengths aren't valued. I'm confident in myself to know I'm going to be absolutely fine somewhere else. And um, I think that's part of the the problem for women but I I think also employers will look at a woman who's managing childcare and managing her job and clearly spread quite thin and has a mortgage and they think I've got her Mm -hmm. I've got her she's not going anywhere and they might be right because you lose confidence and you get tired and you really you have to gather yourself up to the full extent of your powers in order to say no I will take my talent elsewhere because you have to re-engage with your own potential Absolutely. And you have to have the time for that, right? And the energy for that and not be exhausted, but, and the confidence. I think it's so important that we have that confidence and it's so difficult to have, you know, there are tons and tons of reasons why generally women are less confident than men and they start in childhood, they start at school. Obviously there are exceptions. There are some very confident women. There are some men who aren't confident, but we have to work on building that, that confidence in ourselves as women. I deeply believe that everybody has a confident core, but we've got to spend the time to find it. I believe that everybody... Give me 90 minutes with anyone, and I will... Any woman, I will find her confident core. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big, overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying, I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but 
specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midalt. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash midalt. Better help, because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's very interesting what you were saying, because I think that women, we are, we're quite linear in our approach at school, for example. We understand that there are exams to be hit, there are results to achieve. We go through that, whatever. And then, of course, so we are, we, we, we are aware of our strengths and our weaknesses at school, and we're, and, but we go in sort of to the workplace, like confident and armed with that. But then we hit a workplace which doesn't resemble that, where where getting everything right isn't necessarily the thing that, you know, will get us rewarded. And on top of it, everybody else is super confident because it's their water and not our water. And so it's suddenly, you're, of course, women lose confidence, don't they, as they slowly go through and they think, hold on, I'm not being rewarded with an A here. Or I'm not, you know, someone isn't coming to help to, to tell me that I'm doing well or whatever. And so slowly we kind of decline. And I thought it was very interesting what you were saying about boys at school are eight times more likely to absorb criticism at school than girls are because they're naughtier, because they don't sit still. Because So for them, criticism, they can deal with it. Whereas we take criticism so personally, and that's got to be part of the problem, isn't it? It's that we're, we we hit this water and it's like, well, it, it doesn't go so well at the beginning. And suddenly we start, our confidence gets chipped away. Oh, yeah, so much, so much of this stuff is learnt at school. I think school isn't set up to do girls a lot of favours. And by the way, girls who do go through single sex schools often come out a lot better from that experience in, in many ways. I was a mixed comprehensive myself, but... But yeah, absolutely. There was, there's been a ton of research on that, not done by me, but boys are treated differently at school. They're treated differently by teachers. They're learning different things. As you say, girls are learning. If I get A grades and I did perfect immaculate homework in beautiful handwriting, um, I am liked. The teacher likes me. Everyone's nice to me. My parents are happy. Everyone's happy. So that behaviour is rewarded. And meanwhile... The boys are learning, actually, do you know what? I didn't do my homework. I didn't do it on time. It was a bit of a mess. Um, but it was fine. It was absolutely fine. The teacher 
doesn't really care. Nobody killed me. Nobody died. So they're learning that in life there is just so much more scope not to do things perfectly. And, you know, I, I honestly think that perfectionist syndrome, I call it perfectionist syndrome in girls and women. I think a huge amount of that is learned at school. And I think it's an absolute curse because, as you say, the workplace isn't like that. The workplace is the real world. And in the real world, perfection does not exist. It actually doesn't exist. So everyone who's sitting around waiting until they've done their homework perfectly and they think it's ready for that 100% grade is going to sit around and wait and just not come forward. And meanwhile, watch the rest of the world getting on doing things that they should be doing. So I think school's got a lot to answer for. I really do. So in terms of what, what we can do for ourselves, find our confident core, know when to walk away and take our talents elsewhere, ditch the perfectionism, because it's not doing us any favours and in fact it doesn't exist. What else can we do? How can we assert ourselves without being called all those nasty words, shrill, bossy, nagging, all those words that people like to use only for women? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, those perceptions come obviously from, not from what we are actually doing or saying, but from what people expect of women, right? And that's stuff that we're taught from really being very, very tiny children from films and TV and, you know, everything. We're, we're fed images of men behaving a certain way, women behaving a certain way, doing certain things, speaking much more softly. So through life, we get to a point where we don't expect some things from women and we do expect them from men. And we know that from the research... Yes, we're sort of told, aren't we? Uh, aren't we sort of told you can, you can get it with honey, not absolutely. with vinegar, darling. and it's... Um, yeah. You know, when we see, it, it's this research that, that absolutely shows that a man and a woman can say exactly the same thing in exactly the same way, and the man will be, will be perceived as strong and, and, and being a leader, and the woman will, as you say, be perceived as bossy, aggressive, shrill, negative things. It's nothing to do with whether or not she is, it's just that that's not what we expected um, of her. I think ultimately, you know, what can we do about that? What we need to do about that is we've got to get used to seeing more women doing these jobs, you know, saying these things, talking this way. We've just got to get used to it and ultimately we will get to a point where our kids expect that from a woman just the same way as they expect it from a man. But obviously, we are where we are now and there's pain to go through to get there. So honestly, I think what women need to accept now is rather than, okay, taking the feedback that um, I need to make myself smaller or not be so aggressive or not be so whatever... Saying, no, I, I, I will be what I am. And if, if people don't like it, I don't care. Because the only alternative is to be something that we're not. And to try to fit in with what is considered acceptable for us. And I, it's a really, really hard one, though. Because who doesn't want to be liked, right? Who wants to be disliked? Who wants to be told that they're aggressive or shrill or whatever? So you have to be you know, quite strong as a woman to say, if my way of expressing myself, when I have a strong point to make that I passionately care about, offends you, then I'm afraid it's going to have to offend you. 
because I'm not going to not say it. <laughs> yeah. So there is an element of courage required, but I do believe that if we can sort of plow through this, there will come a point where we just don't hear that as weird from women anymore. We'll just think, well, you know, that's, that's just a point of view and that's just a person expressing it. I just got to plow through the work to get to that stage. We probably, I probably won't see it in my lifetime, but I certainly hope it comes. It's amazing, isn't it, that we were brought up thinking that equal rights were everywhere. We were going to have it all and, you know, we were... And, and here we are having this conversation now. It is slow, isn't it's it? Slow it is it's slow and it's absolutely stuck. And I do... The thing that probably frustrates me the most is when people talk about progress. They, they will start most conversations about this with, hey, we've made fantastic progress because nobody wants to be a downer, do they? Um, but here are some issues. And I just say, no, I really don't think we should be talking about progress. Yes, we've made progress versus the days when women weren't allowed to vote. But, you know, compared to where we should be, I just see this really simply. I'm a very simple person. Women are 50% of the population. 51, actually. 50%, let's call it. All the evidence all the research, all the academic data says that women and men are equally intelligent on average, equally capable, equally competent. There's also a ton of research that shows have, that women have equal leadership ability. So for me, anything less than 50% representation in society and at the top levels of businesses and the top levels of society is just an issue and a gap. And so when people celebrate progress or they celebrate, hey, we've got 30% of women on boards, I just always want to scream and say, please, can we not celebrate until it's 50%? I don't think we should accept any less. I think it's incredible that we accept it, to be honest. And also, um, if companies with 30% female representation are more profitable, imagine how much more profitable they'd be with 50% female representation. I mean, exponentially, their success Absolutely. would rise, I mean, wouldn't it? You've seen the data, companies that have more women on their boards, more women at the top, and actually equality and diversity in general, they perform better. It's, it's, I think there's a, you know, over a 26% return on investment difference between companies that are, are led by um, more women in the, the leadership team. So yeah, it's kind of, it's illogical, isn't it? It's, you know, well, it is, particularly when the maths, the science, which is the thing that stereotypically men are meant to be good at, they're willfully ignoring. Well, they, I think this is the point we were, you know, touching on earlier. People don't really believe that because if they did, right, if, if people, if men, if leaders really, really believe the data that equality and diversity right to the top drives business results, which is what the data said, says if they really believed that they would do it right they wouldn't do it because it's charity or the right thing to do they do it because it's a blooming business strategy and i say to the businesses that i work with as a consultant equality and diversity should be your number one business strategy it shouldn't be your hr strategy or your nice thing to do on the side or your pr strategy exactly or your pr strategy gender washing let's talk about that in a minute um, it should be your business strategy because I don't know any other things that you can do for your business. And the other thing is, by the way, if you don't have that diverse group, you miss things. You, I mean, that's the other thing I would say to people. How many things have been missed over the last 18 months? 
because there weren't women in the room. All that they would have needed was a woman in the room to oh. say, well, actually, that's a really stupid idea and that won't work because who's going to do this? I remember, do you remember that report that's, that basically said that, they've re- that the government had realised that they, um, they, they didn't probably take into account enough of the female view during the pandemic planning and their conclusion was that they should have had a gender expert in the room. And, and you, I mean, you've <laughs> just, got to laugh. Just some women. You don't need a gender <laughs> expert in the room. You need some women in just the room. Just bring some oh, fucking women in there. It's uh, so annoying. Exactly. Do you know, the other thing that really alarmed me, and it's right at the beginning of your book, Tucked Away, is that what not only obviously is it frustrating for for us on the ground as women on the ground kind of working our way up etc and seeing everything but also you know artificial intelligence is learning our behavior so unless we have 50 percent parity then artificial intelligence will just assume somehow that men are better than women and so ultimately it will build up this picture AI, this great amorphous thing, whereby that this is what, you know, how societies should progress. And that's even more terrifying that we can it perpetuate is it. Isn't it. Yeah. I read that. I say it's absolutely, that is absolutely happening. AI is, is learning to just perpetuate this. So when AI is being used, for example, to make choices about who gets called for interviews, um, you know, whose CV gets read, all of that stuff. So it is, and this is why I always say this is, there are so many forces at play here that it is a self-fulfilling prophecy unless you intervene, right? And another thing that I always get frustrated by is that one of the facts that gets wheeled out about, I think it's from the World Economic Forum, that it will take 136 years, I think is the, the latest number, to reach equality. And I just think, I, I think that's nonsense because without intervention, it, it, won't ta- it will take eternity, it, it, it won't, it will either, we will either intervene and we will fix it soon or it will take eternity. It's not, I think one of the most dangerous things in this whole discussion is that people think it will happen naturally. They think we're making progress. So Jill, for you, what does intervention look like? So there are lots and lots of things that need to happen. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the things that I do think there are. I'm not, used to be fashionable, didn't it, to say women lean in you can fix this I think it's kind of quite fashionable at the moment to say it's the workplace it's men men you need to fix it I think it's neither of those things I think it's both I think there's work for everybody to do and men absolutely have a lot of work to do as we've said they've got over 90% of the leadership of the world they're making or influencing over 90% of the decisions in the world so if men don't get this and they don't truly believe it, and they don't truly believe that it's going to make their lives better and their businesses better, and make some choices about driving it, we will get nowhere. It will be forever. And I think that's the biggest thing probably that needs to happen first, is that real education of men that, you know, firstly, this isn't a women's issue. Gender equality is not a women's issue. It's an issue for everyone. It's an opportunity for everyone. It's an opportunity for you that even though you are a good and decent man who has very good intentions and doesn't consider yourself sexist, you are contributing to driving gender inequality every single day without realising that you're doing it, getting them to get that. 
and then getting them to sign up. I say, be a, fem- be a feminist, nothing to fear, and really start that work on, okay, how am I going to dismantle this in the world that I control? And one of the biggest things I say to men is the first thing you need to do is have a look around you, whether it's on Zoom or in your meeting room. Do you see a male-dominant culture? Do you see lots of people who look and sound the same? Because if you do, I can promise you you've got a major problem and you've got a major opportunity because I promise you that the people in your group who don't look and sound like that dominant group will not be performing and contributing at their best. You are under-leveraging those people. Best case, you won't get the best out of them. Worst case, they will leave you and they will go somewhere else and somebody else will get the best out of them. So that's, from a male point of view, I think they've got to go through that process, not do it because they're getting tracked by the board on it, not do it in a gender-washing way, but really say, no, I'm actually doing this as a business strategy and I'm, actually doing the, I'm absolutely doing this because I believe my business and my team will be stronger if I do it. Then women have got a ton of work to do. Parents have got a ton of work to do for their kids. Teachers have got a ton of work to do, we've said, really starting to treat girls and boys the same. You know, if a boy does crap homework um, and a girl does crap homework, they should, whatever the treatment they get is, it should be equal. Um, Media makers, so much. They contribute so much. They're probably the most important because they're creating our perceptions of women and what women should be and men and what, what men should be. So it sounds overwhelming, but what I do believe is that there, is, there are all these invisible, unconscious, unintended forces happening and working and impacting on us. But if you actually break them down, if you break them all down and understand them and understand why does this happen, why, how do I contribute to it, you can actually take every single one of them and there is actually an action against all of them for, you know, every gender. Um, so I do, I am, I'm angry, but I am positive that it can be tackled but it's certainly not going to be tackled by us just thinking it's all going to happen naturally. That will just... We're, honestly, in 100 years, someone will write why men still win at work if we have that attitude and I will turn in my grave. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should read Why Men Win at Work if they want to be angry and inspired. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been brilliant. You've been listening to Annabelle Rivkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. You are the most valuable investment you will ever make. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.